Okay, we're going to be talking about eternal significance this morning, and that relates back to the issue of purpose. And it's going to come after a lot of good stuff this weekend. I hope you've been enjoying your first retreat for many of you. And for those of you that have been to other retreats, I hope you've been enjoying this as much as once in the past. I have. It's right up there with my favorite retreats, except the retreat where Aaron was flirting with me, like I talked about last night. It holds a very special place in my memory. Anyway, so I want to start out with a joke today. There were two criminals. They were evil, terrible, nasty horse thieves. That was a long time ago, I guess. So they, that's your dad's grandpa. Okay, there you go. So anyway, these two guys were just as rotten as they could be, and the whole town hated them, the whole area, county, everybody just hated and despised these guys. And one of them finally died, okay? And after he died, his brother got one pastor to finally agree to do the funeral. None of the pastors or preachers would even think about doing the funeral for these guys. And he finally got one of them to do the funeral. And he paid him a lot of money to do it. And he said, I'll pay you all this money, $1,000. It was a lot in that day. I'll pay you $1,000 under one condition. You have to refer to my brother as a saint. Okay? So the pastor says, I'll do it. So he gets up in front of everybody. The funeral's happening. And he says... You know, Benny, that died, he was a dirty, rotten scoundrel. He was as evil as a guy as there ever was. He was terrible. The brother's sitting in the back fuming. He's getting furious. I can't believe this guy's, you know, not referring to my brother as a saint. And he goes on, he was terrible. He was a liar. He was a thief. He was a cheater. But compared to his brother, he was a saint. <laughs> so, anyway, starting on that note... I want to say, what do you want to be remembered for? So imagine it's your funeral. So fast forward, uh, I don't know how many years. It could be, hopefully, a lot of years from now. But none of us are guaranteed that could be shortly. We don't know. We've had people that have been at these retreats with us that, that are dead. I can think of two people right now that were here just a short number of years ago, young college students, and uh, both of them are gone at this point. And none of us are guaranteed a lot of time. So think forward, however many more years you have in the future, and think about what do you want to be remembered for. Just mentally imagine that for a second before we get started. Got a little bit of a picture. That's going to come up again this morning. You'll have more opportunities to think through that. So continue thinking through that as we talk. But that brings us to the point of eternal significance, right? This week has been a great weekend. Leah talked about eternal citizenship. Leah did a great job of defining that we are part of God's family, not because we're special, not because we're better, not because of any of that. In fact, probably because a lot of us needed him more than anyone else, right? We didn't come because we were better. We came because we were sinners. Remember what Paul said? He said, I was worse than any other sinner. Joseph uh, kind of articulated that same truth at my house. I said, I can't wait to meet the worst sinner in heaven. Joseph said, that'll be me tonight. So anyway, a lot of us could say that, you know, sometimes people might say, well, you're a Christian and you're not perfect, and uh, we can gladly say, that's, that's the whole reason, you know, I need Jesus, I need Jesus as much as anyone. I heard of a debate, actually, not to get too off track, but there was a Catholic priest debating some atheist, and this atheist lady said, you are such a jerk, and I guess he had a reputation for being kind of nasty. And the guy says, okay, you might be right, but imagine how bad I'd be if I wasn't a Christian. <laughs> so I think that a lot of us can, uh, can identify with what Lee was saying, that Jesus came, he died on the cross, he paid for our sins so that we could be adopted into God's family. And now we're citizens of his kingdom, not because we earned it, not because we are smart enough or bright enough or kind enough, but simply because we accepted his free gift of salvation. Now he's changing us from the inside out, and it's not overnight. None of us got perfect the second we said the sinner's prayer, right? You didn't say the sinner's prayer and bing, you're perfect, right? God is working in your heart, making you more and more who he wants you to be. And it starts on the inside. It doesn't just start on the outside. He's changing us from the inside out. Then Aaron talked last night about an eternal perspective, specifically as it relates to all the stuff we see going on around us. So that was pretty good, huh? Did you guys get a lot out of that? When we look at the pain and suffering in the world, and more than just in the world, in our own lives. One of those friends that I talked about that not too long ago was in these retreats was a guy named Jesse. And Russ knows Jesse and his father Gordy. His father Gordy is a professor at campus. You might take him. 
And Jesse was in college when I was in college. He and his wife met in the same group that Aaron and I met in, which was this group, but back around that time. And they started dating, they got married, and she got pregnant. She was six months pregnant with their first kid, and he got killed in a car crash before his first kid was born. Left a single mom, you know. And that was a hard thing to go through. It was really hard. When we go through things like that, how do we process it? Because it's real, and it really happens. Is God really in control or not? Is he using those things for something bigger that we can't even envision at this point? I've heard it put like this. Imagine a beautiful tapestry, right? Something that's gorgeous. Some of you are Native American. Imagine a Native American tapestry, right? Maybe you've seen those, like the Navajo rugs, where it looks beautiful, beautiful, beautiful from one side. But if you go and look at it from behind, you just see random string going in all these different directions, right? Things are tied off. Things are here and there. And sometimes, uh, from one perspective, it looks like chaos and a mess, right? But from the other perspective, it looks beautiful. And I think from our perspective in time, we can't see how all this fits together. It just looks like random string and random chaos. But from eternity, we'll be able to see there is a purpose behind it all. Both in my life and also in God's entire kingdom, which Leah was talking about. And then Aaron was bringing us back to that reality that he's working. I want to read you a quote before I continue by Malcolm Muggeridge, talking about pain and what it produces in our life. He said, everything I've learned in my 75 years in this world, everything that has truly enhanced and enlightened my existence, has been through affliction, and not through happiness, whether pursued or attained. In other words, I say this, if it would be possible to eliminate affliction from our earthly existence, the result would not be to make life more delectable, but to make it too banal and trivial to be endurable. This, of course, is what the cross signifies, and it is the cross more than anything else which has called me inexorably to Christ. He was talking about the reality that God uses pain in our own lives to make us into the people that he wants us to be. And oftentimes, I know, if you're like me, you can look back at hard times that you've gone through and realize, I wouldn't change it for anything, because God's done a lot in my life as a result. Today, we want to talk about eternal significance. We want to kind of wrap the whole retreat up with a little bit of a vision plan. And you guys are going to get some time today to work on a, per on a personal purpose statement. But we're going to talk about purpose and what it is that we're here for and how we can live this life to make a difference for eternity. You guys probably remember Gladiator and Russell Crowe. came out a while back. You guys seen that movie? It's a classic, right? Okay, Russell Crowe in that movie says, What's done in this life echoes for eternity. Remember that quote? Ingo is on a movie and not necessarily the truth. The quote is really significant. What's done in this life echoes for eternity. And I want to begin this talk with that in your minds. What's done in this life echoes for eternity. And that's what we're going to be talking about. The echo that you can have for all of eternity. So you're alive for a reason. Your faith includes a job description. Leah shared about how Christ comes into our life when we receive him, makes us part of his family. If you've not yet come to that place, your main purpose in life, according to scripture, is to know God. Right? That is the main reason that we're created. After that, though, that's not the end. That's just the start. After that first step, God has an entire life of purpose for every one of us. A purpose nobody else can achieve. James, I can't live out the purpose that God created you for. I couldn't do it, even if I tried. He made you uniquely for your purpose. You alone can fulfill that purpose. And he's made you for it. We're going to talk about that today. Many Christians have ignorantly believed that the world's idea of purpose is also their life calling. We call this the five, or now the six C's. Cash, cars, careers, condos, cuties. And now, computers. Right? That's what a lot of people have decided to live for. I'm going to live for money. I'm going to live for romance. I'm going to live for more stuff. And it's left us empty. Right? And it's created a lot of the pain and suffering Aaron talked about. As we selfishly pursue our own ambitions without loving our neighbor as ourself like Christ commanded. The Christian, though, has a new identity and a specific purpose. It is your responsibility and opportunity to know and live God's purpose for your life. This is part of the joy of the Christian life, is to get to discover what purpose you're created for. If you don't have that daily relationship with Him, that's where it begins. Out of that, though, it goes much further, like I've said. It cannot end there. Our purpose is a life of meaning, accomplishment, and fulfillment. 
Aaron touched on this again last night, that God has called you to an abundant life. Jesus promised that in John 10.10. Outside of Christ, we will experience futility. I'm not saying that we won't experience happiness. I'm not saying that we won't experience a lot of what other people want, maybe wealth, maybe even fame, maybe even effectiveness in some different areas. But the reality is, is until the guy that, I should say, until the God, because he's not just a guy, he's a God, he's a spirit, until the God that made you comes and changes you into the person that he made you to be, and then leads you into the purpose that he created you for, we cannot get there. Does that make sense? He has to be the one guiding that. So if you don't understand who you are, you're never going to understand your purpose. It all goes back to who you are in Christ. The Bible promises that if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. So whatever failures you've experienced in the past, forget about them. That's not who you are. You're not defined by your failures. Does that make sense? You aren't your weaknesses. You aren't your sin. You're not your failures. Those are gone. God says he's made you a new creation. And in that identity, in who you are in Christ, you can begin to live out the purpose that he's created you for. He has a wonderful and elaborate plan for your life. Not something minor. In fact, I would say the highest imagination you can think of in your mind as far as life purpose is an understatement compared to what God has for you. Did you get that? I don't care what you've imagined. I'm not talking about things imagined in pride or in selfish ambition. Those things are irrelevant. But the highest thing that you've imagined is a life purpose. It's nothing but an understatement compared to what God really wants to do in and through your life. He wants to do great things. Think of somebody like Henrietta Mears. How many of you have ever heard that name? Almost none of you have ever heard the name Henrietta Mears, right? Nobody, probably not many of you even know who she is. The reality is, she led Billy Graham to Christ, who has become the most influential uh, preacher in history. He's led more people to faith in Christ than anybody in history. I mean, millions and millions and millions of people to Christ. But even more than that, she also was the one that trained and taught from a young age, or in Sunday school apparently, Bill Bright. Bill Bright went on to start Campus Crusade for Christ, which now exists in nearly every country on the planet, has, has shared the gospel with over 1 billion people, has 26,000 staff in their ministry, and numerous other ministries have come from that ministry, including our own. Okay, so imagine this one woman she had no idea that she would impact two of the most influ influential believers in history, right? But she was being obedient to the purpose that God had for her life. And I don't know when she died, but good chance she didn't get to see a lot of what resulted from her efforts, right? But what God can do in your life is no less significant. It is equally large. Now, here are some of the main callings that all of us are called to. Number one, you're called to know God personally. And that begins when you put your trust in Christ. It actually starts to begin before that <laughs> in an interesting way. God begins to call you. A relationship with Christ is a lot like a marriage. Aaron and I didn't begin our relationship at marriage. Does that make sense? I, I noticed her and I thought, wow, she's kind of cute. I didn't yet even know her. And then we met. And then we kind of knew each other, but not that well. And then I worked up the courage to ask her over for dinner. And she was a poor college student, so she said... How about right now? <laughs> so, she had no romantic intentions. She just wanted free food. But anyway, we got to know each other over a period of time. We began being friends. We began talking and communicating, getting to know each other. Sometimes people say, I have a relationship with God. I pray to Him. And I say, well, it's good to pray. It's kind of like Aaron and I in that relationship. We talked. That didn't mean we were married. Does that make sense? Now, every one of us gets to a point where with God it goes beyond just seeing Him or seeing about Him or seeing the evidence and realizing that it's okay. And then it goes beyond just kind of praying to Him or talking to Him before a big test or when I'm going through something hard. It goes beyond all that to the point where I say, I'm ready to trust you with the rest of my life. And that's kind of, as the analogy goes, what happened right here at this lodge nine and a half years ago when Aaron and I made a commitment to each other to live the rest of our lives together. Okay? Now we get to that point with God, and that's where it starts. But then your purpose, as far as relationally with God, doesn't end there. Every single day you're called to have fellowship with God. Intimate fellowship with God on a daily basis. Just like Aaron and I every day talk. 
just like every day we're getting to grow in our relationship. So too, you, every day with God, continue growing closer to Him in intimate fellowship. That's a daily reality, and it affects every other part of your life. After that, our purpose is to know Him and to make Him known, right? So we know Him, and then we get to share Him with others. This is a huge part of every Christian's purpose. In fact, Scripture is very clear on this. All of us are called to make Him known as once He is living in our lives. Think about it like this. What if I knew you for two years and never mentioned Aaron to you? How crazy would that be? Or even a few months, and then all of a sudden I said, Hey, Ben, what if I said this? You know, Ben, you're really cool, and I feel like we've gotten to be good friends. And I didn't want to offend you up till now. You know, so um, I just thought, now we were close enough that I could tell you um, I'm married. <laughs> what would you say? Hey, that, that guy is so weird. <laughs> Why did it take so long for him to tell me about the most significant person in his life? Obviously, that's fine, you know? Now, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's um, Anyway, but somehow we think this about God. And I think we think this because a lot of Christians have been very antagonistic, almost. Maybe with good intentions, they've wanted to share Christ with others, but they've done it in the wrong way. Or they've not been respectful of those other people. So maybe they've made mistakes. I shouldn't repeat their mistakes, but I shouldn't hold back from talking about the one that I love more than anyone. Talking about the one that's changed me from the inside out. The Bible tells us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If Jesus is everything to me, he's going to come out in my conversations. But he's not going to do that in a mean or arrogant or weird way. He's going to do that in a loving way, right? With the people that I mean. So, the second part of my purpose is to make him known. And to glorify him in everything I do. I think Leah shared 1 Corinthians 10.31 yesterday. Which says that in everything we do, we glorify God. That's part of our purpose. Finally, to develop relationships illustrating his love to others. This includes all the relationships you could ever imagine. Your spouse and your family, if you might have one. You don't have to. The Bible never says you have to get married or you have to have kids. Right? In fact, some people, the Bible says, are called to be single. That's pretty sweet. Well, if that's your thinking. Right? <laughs> some people want that. Some people don't. That's fine. That's between you and God. But regardless, we're all called to have relationships, right? We're called to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love our enemies and to pray for them. We're called to love people all around us and to develop significant relationships. The kingdom of God is based on relationships. Just think of the trinity that's existed forever. God, three in one. A relationship that's existed for all of time. And finally, beyond those kind of core issues, beyond those 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 fundamental issues, you have a unique life calling. Something that only you can accomplish. Miranda, your life calling is not Ben's. <laughs> right? And Ben's, yours is not Samantha's. Samantha's isn't Jessica's or Kiwi's. You guys have a unique calling. You're created in Christ for a unique purpose. Right? He's given you gifts to accomplish that. Uh, we talked about that last week in Cross Training. I'll plug Cross Training right now. Come this week. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about some good stuff at Cross Training. EVH 64 at 4 p.m. tomorrow. They're kind of in-depth classes. Also, guys, he's giving you talents and he's giving you resources. You guys have more resources than anybody in history. I mean, you guys have communication resources nobody in history has had. As Americans, you can go anywhere, almost. Most people do not have the access to all the countries you do. You have financial resources most people only dream of. Even as American college students, if I'm not mistaken, you're in the top 3% of the richest people in this world. Okay? We always think, oh, we're so poor. If you make over, if I'm not getting this wrong, I think if you make over 29000 a year, which 65 plus percent of Americans make, you're in the top 1% of the richest people in the world. Okay? Yeah, in America, if we make 29000 we almost complain and think that we're poor. Think that we don't have enough. You guys have been given so much. Even as college students, you have so many financial resources. You guys have more time than anybody in history. Not because you have more hours in a day, right? Because you don't. But you have so many conveniences. You have cars to get you from A to B that quick. You have laundry, um, laundromats and washing machines and dryers that do your laundry very quickly. 
I grew up most of my life before college outside the U.S., and we did not have washing machines. We had to do those things by hand. We didn't have cars a lot of times. We had to take a bus to the grocery store and back. And then the grocery store wasn't all in one place like Walmart. You had to go to 19 different parts of town to get what you needed. And oftentimes, what you needed was the very basic basics. The reality is you took a lot of your weekly amount of time just getting your needs met. Whereas in this country, that happens very instantly, right? So you have more time. You guys have so many resources to make a difference that God has given you. So will you follow his purpose for your life? That's kind of the big question as we begin today. I don't want this to be intellectual only. I'm going to go through some principles that might seem kind of um, wordy or intellectual. So just bear with me. Um, all these notes are online for the most part. In fact, they will be too this week. I'll put these exact notes and this audio up this week. So sometimes people get mad because I talk pretty fast, cover a lot of material. Don't let that um, distract you, okay? Take in, take in whatever you can take in, and if you need to get the notes, they'll be online. As we get started talking about purpose, though, a lot of people ask, what is God's will? How do I know God's will? How many of you have ever wondered that? How do I know God's will with certainty? Ephesians 5.17 commands you not to be ignorant, but to know what God's will is. This week, the, we were listening to a New Living Translation, and it says, do not be ignorant, or something like that. And it says, do your best to try and know God's will. It says something like that, and I said, oh, that's... They missed the, the translation there. The, the, ver, the best translation is, know God's will. It's a command from God. Does that make sense? So how do I obey that? God never commands you to something that he doesn't enable you to do. Does that make sense? So we can never look at something like that and say, I can't do it. If God said do it, he's going to give you the power through his Holy Spirit to do it, right? He's not just going to say, do this, and then leave you hanging, okay? So you can know God's will. As we get started talking about God's will, I want to share a few verses with you. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That's what God says to you guys today, right? He has a plan for you, a future for you, a hope for you, plans to prosper you, not to make you rich. That's not the only thing. If you have, this is a side note, if you happen to be rich at some point in your life, one of those spiritual gifts that we talked about in cross training last week is giving, okay? If you ever happen to be rich, and by definition, as Americans, you already are, if you ever happen to be rich, take by faith that one of your spiritual gifts is giving, Okay? Because scripture tells us that if one of your gifts is giving, it says give with liberality. In other words, you'll have the capacity to give. So if you ever have lots of money, don't just think, man, God wants me to have a bigger house. <laughs> but realize that God gave me these resources to use them as part of my purpose. <laughs> my purpose might be to be very generous. Who knows what that purpose is, but God will give you wisdom. And that's between you and God. Also be careful if people try to tell you what you have to do with what God gives you. Because that's between you and him. Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So here's the next part. God already has a day planner for you, Chris. Okay, so God has, like, Chris's little day planner. Well, it might not be little, it might be big. But anyway, it's probably bigger in yours, I promise you that. <laughs> because you could not begin to imagine all that God has. Remember Colossians 4 tells us to make most of every opportunity. Right, referring back to the things that he's planned for us, those opportunities that he's already marked down. At 3.15, Chris is going to cross paths with this guy, and I have a plan for Chris at that time. Chris, are you going to walk in that plan that God has for you? Does that make sense? So the goal here is to know my purpose and to be walking in what God has for me. Romans 12, 1-2, this will come up several times today, so it's important. Could I get some, Jack, could you give me a cup of water? Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Now, when he tells you to offer your body as a living sacrifice, he doesn't mean to light yourself on fire, okay? So, <laughs> that's not what he's referring to here. But think of everything that we naturally live for. The five C's, stash cars, spirits, condos, cuties, etc. Right? We live for our own selfish ambitions. And what God is saying here is, the number one part of, and we'll get here, of knowing God's will is, first of all, shelving your own selfish ambitions. It's saying no to yourself and putting that as a sacrifice on the altar to God, so to say. You're not sacrificing an animal nor yourself, 
But you're saying, all my own selfish ambition, God, it's yours. I'm going to live for your purposes, not mine. Does that make sense? That's what it means to present your body as a living sacrifice. You're choosing to live daily for his purposes, not your own. It continues from there, saying this is your spiritual act of worship. Worship isn't just singing, it's living for his purposes, right, on a daily basis. Second, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So instead of being worldly, or just doing whatever the world system tells you to do, we can be different than the world, right? The other day I was talking to one of the guys on campus. He's not involved in this group, but he's a really cool guy that uh, I get together with and talk with sometimes. And the girl behind us, who is not talking with us, but with some other friends, her friend says, what are you going to do this weekend? She goes, I'm going to get drunk. We're going to get drunk all weekend. That's what we're going to do this weekend. And this guy that I'm talking to just starts laughing, you know, and he's, he's not a believer at all, but he starts laughing. He has a very strong conviction of purpose and all this he starts laughing and goes, I can't believe people talk like that. I can't believe what she just said. It's like so insignificant, you know? And, and I, I said, yeah, you wouldn't... You were there. Were you there when that happened? When that statement happened? Or had you just left? Or, no, yeah, I did just leave. So you didn't hear that, that statement? I said, you can't imagine how often I hear that. Well, that's the world system. See, it's my selfish ambitions. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do my own thing my own way. And God is saying, don't conform to the world. That's part two. Right? And then part three is be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, our mind gets renewed as we get in God's Word and let God's Word change us from the inside out. The natural human way is I'm going to be selfish, proud, and I'm going to fight for my own rights. Right? <laughs> Survival of the fittest. I will conquer. I'll do my own thing. God says lay your life down. Love unconditionally. Be generous unselfishly. Does that make sense? See, his, his ways do not line up with the world's ways. And if I want to get his ways in my mind, I've got to get in his word and let him transform me. So the Bible says once I'm doing those three things, right? Once I am living for his purposes, not my own. Once I am not being conformed to this world. Once I am letting him transform my mind with his word. It says you'll be able to prove what his good and perfect will is. So how many of you want to be able to do what Ephesians 5.17 says? Know God's will. Well, here's the secret. You got the three-point plan, right? Once I heard a pastor say, there is no three points in the Bible about how to know God's purpose. And I thought, I actually wrote him a little note. I said, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I don't want to be contrary. But it, there kind of is this three-point method to know God's will in Scripture. Mine maybe doesn't say there are three points. It says it like we just read it, right? So God is going to let you know His will. And there are some important characteristics of how to know his will, that I think um, will help us, too. These will all help that process. So, as you think of God's will and his purpose for your life, I want to encourage you that before you even try to wonder what it is, first of all, make up the decision in your mind, am I willing to do what it is? Does that make sense? Do I want to follow God's will in the first place? Dedication to doing his will involves, one, desiring to do it, knowing that his way is best, and if I ever want to experience an abundant life like he promises, that's the only way to do it. Sometimes people say, I don't want to do it God's way, I want to do it my way. And I think every time, that is a guaranteed road to a lot of agony and personal hardship. God's way might not be the easy way, but it'll also be, it'll always be the most satisfying and fulfilling way. You won't just have the most fun or get the most stuff, but it'll be the most internally satisfying of any way. Okay? Also, though, it involves being willing to do whatever it is and to go wherever he calls. So as we get started, instead of just having the intellectual perspective, I want to make sure we have the right heart perspective. Am I willing to do what he's calling me to do? Am I willing to walk out my life purpose? Because if I'm not willing, then the rest is insignificant. So some important characteristics of knowing God's will. God reveals his specific will as you are obedient to his general will. So many times people say, I just can't figure out what God's will for me is, or what his purpose for me is. And then, at the same time, they're telling me 19 different reasons they refuse to share their faith, for example. I think, well, you know what? God is not going to give you all that much about his specific will if you're telling him, I refuse to obey you, concerning your general will. Do you guys get the difference between those two? God's general will for you is what all of us as believers are called to Love God more than anything, love our neighbor as ourself, 
share him with this world. <laughs> right? There are a few of those key things. There are quite a few. And it's not just a list of, do, of do's and don'ts. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about the life he's called us to generally as believers. Right? Desiring to walk in integrity. Desiring to let him change me from the inside out. If I'm saying no in all those areas, but then expecting him to tell me you're supposed to go to Africa and work with orphans in Uganda, right? I'm probably not going to hear the second part. A good example about that is Jonah, right? And we'll talk about Jonah in a minute, but Jonah, actually I'll just talk about it now. God tells Jonah what to do, remember that? And then what happens? He does his own thing. You know the next time we hear God speak in that book is after Jonah finally repents and says, okay God, my life is yours. See, God was silent. God had told him, and God wasn't going to talk more until he kind of said, okay, God, you're in control. And once he got that perspective, then God started speaking again. It's the same thing in all of our life. If I'm saying no to God's general will, I should not expect him to be revealing his specific will for my life. I'm not saying you have to be perfect, because <laughs> you won't be. So don't think that you have to be perfect as far as his general will goes before he'll share with you. But that should be our heart. I am willing, God. I am willing, and I desire to do your will. Okay, God is eager to reveal his will to you. He does not want to withhold his will from you. He wants to reveal it to you. God isn't obligated to reveal his will if you aren't willing. God's will is often in line with your desires. This is kind of cool. Sometimes Christians ask me, you know, I really want to do this, so it must be bad. Right? This is crazy. I must, I may, I probably shouldn't do that, you know? Sometimes... <laughs> I think, well, no, no, no. Psalm 37, 4 says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. So if he's your ambition, if he's your desire, if he's what you're seeking after, he's going to start to change your desires. And you're going to start to realize, I really want to do this, and I can't figure out why. Many times, not always, but many times, that's God's will. He's leading you in that direction. And coincidentally, it's going to be something you're passionate about. Isn't that cool? He's not calling you to live a life of boredom. Again, it goes back to the abundant life. Right? God expects us to use common sense and wisdom, right? Not just emotionalism and mysticism. I used to think, if I see this one thing this many times today, it must be God's will. There's nothing in Scripture that says anything like that, you know? Okay, I used to say that with girls. I see her on campus today. It must be God's will for me to marry her. Well, Aaron worked at Sodexo, so of course I'd see her. <laughs> it's kind of... Working out in my mind, right? No. Anyway, that was not a good way to see, is this God's person for me? Or is this God's will for me? That was just crazy mysticism. The reality is there are better ways to do it. <laughs> Finally, I, I figured that out. I spent a lot of time praying and fasting. We'll talk about that in, in just a second. God won't lead you into failure. God's plan is never going to result in failure. And even if you make a mistake and it looks like failure, God promises you that he's going to turn around for your good and his. So you really can't lose if you are doing everything you can with the right perspective to try and obey God's will for you. He's going to make this work out. Okay, God's will is in the present tense. It's today. It's not when I graduate from college. It's not when I get married. It's not when I get money. It's today. God calls you to be obedient today. Not to start giving once I get a job and get lots of money. But even today. You guys, Aaron and I sponsor a Palestinian boy. It's like 30 bucks a month. And he's in the West Bank. Very poor. Doesn't have education. For 30 bucks, we can provide a lot for him. Food, resources, education, clothing. That goes a long way in that society. A lot of you could make 30 bucks work. But even if you can't, I've been a college student. Maybe three of you together could say, hey, let's the three of us. Each put in 10 bucks and sponsor some kid overseas, right? You guys could do a lot of things. That's just one idea. Golly. North Korea, one of the most close, the most closed country in the world, where they will either execute or imprison until they're dead pretty much every living relative of yours if you do something wrong, including if you're a Christian. Do you know that you can support the voice of the martyrs? Safe houses for North Korean Christians are being sought after for death. You know? You can sponsor safe houses. There's a lot you can do with your money, even as college students. Okay? Um, God's will is today. It's not just later. God won't reveal, like we said, his entire will for your life at once. He's going to let you know what you need to know when you need to know it. And if he hasn't let you know it yet, then you can know what? 
you don't need to know yet. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> right? He doesn't need to let you know everything. Keith, if he told you everything, it'd blow your mind. <laughs> and you'd probably get really cocky and arrogant, and then you wouldn't be the person that he needed you to be for everything. <laughs> Does that make sense? Right, guys? He wants you to be who he wants you to be today. Not looking forward to all that. I mean, have maybe a perspective on that, but then trusting him with it. He may not reveal more of his will to you if you're being disobedient to what he's already shown you. Uh, his will is always in agreement with his word. It always goes in line with scripture. God wants you to be careful about who you go to for advice. But you should go to people for advice. It's important. God's will is about a relationship, not a situation. Romans 12, 1 and 2 isn't three steps as far as a check them off the list and then you'll know. But those are three steps of relationship. You're living in daily fellowship with God. And then out of that daily fellowship with Him, you begin to know what His will is. Does that make sense? And you can't get better in God's will. This is good stuff, right? His will is good. It's the best you could ever get. Okay, so how to specifically know God's will? One, desire to obey it. We start, we've said that before, but have the right perspective. Two, be faithful with the little things he's called you to today. Some of you guys are going to be cleaning the toilets. Some of you ladies will too. All right? <laughs> that, whoever volunteers for that job, um, that's God's will for you after you volunteer. <laughs> you know what the Bible says? Be faithful with that. Be faithful with little things, Scripture says. And then he'll make you faithful more after that. Right? But that's part of knowing God's will is being faithful with what he's already given you. Even little things. For the sake of the little things. Not just to get to something bigger. Right? Um, gosh. Make sure you are following those three principles that we share already. Presenting our life as a living sacrifice. Not being conformed to this world, being transformed by knowing His Word, getting in God's Word, guys, and letting Him transform us. Pray and even fast about the issue. Fasting is not something that's fun. I hate it. <laughs> I try to do it every week because I know I need it. My body is way too strong. My flesh, I should say. Obviously, you guys thought I was talking about my muscles. But, <laughs> no. My flesh, my own desires, my own ambitions are too strong. And when I fast, I'm saying no to all that stuff and saying, God, you're bigger than that. And you're more important. So, don't be a masochist just trying to inflict pain on yourself. That's not the point. It's saying no to something. Food is something that we do a lot when we fast, but it could be something else. It's saying no to that so you can focus on God and, and draw near to Him. And I think when you do that, your mind really clears and you can focus and you can really see God's will for your life in big ways. I fasted a ton before ever um, beginning a relationship with Aaron, as far as a dating relationship. I prayed a ton. I went to godly counsel, people that I respected, and asked them what they thought. And I laid that foundation first. Okay, check what God's Word has to say. Psalm 119 says that God's Word is a light under your path. If you want to know your purpose, God's will for you, look in His Word. Study it, know it, memorize it, learn it. Be wise. So many Christians think using your brain is not how you find God's will. That's not the only way I find God's will. But God didn't devote an entire book of the Bible to wisdom so that we wouldn't use it. Does that make sense? This is a big deal to God. And He intends for us to use wisdom. In fact, 1 Corinthians 2 says that He puts the mind of Christ in your life. Use wisdom. Use logic. Be full of common sense when you make decisions. Oftentimes, Common sense will be in line with God's will for you, interestingly. So don't write that off instantly. Okay. Uh, recognize what desires he's given you. <laughs> um, you guys, seek confirmation from godly authority. Don't come to me and say, Nate, what does God want me to do with my life? Because that's not my place to tell you. That's God's place. Does that make sense? Don't go to spiritual authorities in your life or people that have influenced your life and ask them what you're supposed to do. That's a cop-out. You're, you're supposed to be getting that from God alone, right? And it would be crazy for anybody. If anybody ever tries to answer that question, then you probably shouldn't be following them. That's between them and God. Does that make sense? Caleb, I can't tell you what your purpose is. You have to figure that out from God. But you know, once you think you know, go to some people that you trust and respect and say, hey, what do you think about this? Because they might be able to see some red flags or they might be able to encourage you with it, right? 
When Joseph comes to me and says, Nate, I really want to be an apologist. Gosh, there are a lot of ways that I can encourage Joseph in that, right? I, I totally want to do that. I want to support you any way I can in what God is leading you in. Okay, but I can't tell you what God's will for your life is, right? Okay, God will also give you specific direction at times via, quote-unquote, speaking to you. All of us have had times where God just put something right in your mind so strong that nothing in the world could convince you it wasn't from God. But what I want to encourage you is, scripturally, you don't have to wait for a still small voice. Does that make sense? If God gives you that, phenomenal. That's awesome. That's great. Line it up with scripture. Go to your spiritual authority. See if they think if they see anything wrong. Make sure that it's not just what you ate for dinner last night that's causing some weird thinking, right? Um, process it the same way you would anything. But you guys, here's the bottom line. You don't just have to wait for some dramatic revelation that pops into your head. God could change your desires over time. A lot of times people get this from 1 Kings 19 where Elijah is looking for God and he's looking in big flashy things like thunder and lightning and earthquakes and all this and God speaks to him in a still small voice. That's the only place where we see that phrase in scripture. So it's there, but it's not a major issue in scripture. It's not something that we have to wait for. Does that make sense? We wait on God and he might choose to reveal his will to you via that mechanism. But also, he's going to use wisdom, he's going to use common sense, he's going to use people that are in your life. So evaluate what he gives you. And sometimes, if you haven't gotten something real flashy in your head, or real dramatic in your thinking, maybe you don't need that. You know, I know people that have been missionaries in hard countries for decades. And people have said, did, you know, like, how did you first find out that you, that you um, were supposed to do this? And they're like, you know what, all of us are supposed to do this. I'm not doing this because I just got some dramatic calling. I'm doing this because we're all called to take the gospel across this planet. You know? So be careful with that. Be ready for it when God gives it to you. But if he doesn't, still keep following him. Right? Now, another warning I want to give you is don't wait for an open door. Sometimes the open door policy will get you into a lot of trouble. Whatever way opens up is not necessarily God's way. Could be. That's why you need to evaluate it also with scripture and with godly counsel and so forth. But sometimes the way that just randomly opens up is the least common denominator. It's the easiest way. It's the path to destruction, right? It's something that's not going to help you out. Look at David and Bathsheba. David commits adultery, ends up murdering one of his closest friends and allies because of an open door, right? It was not God's will. Okay, I'm going to try and wrap this up. Everybody's getting tired and we have a lot to do today. You guys set good goals as you do this. Again, check the notes for more on that, but don't just hope it happens. Be intentional. Paul told Timothy, give yourself fully to this stuff so that your progress may be evident to all. So set some good goals. Be motivated to accomplish your purpose. Get this, guys. This is a truth that you, I beg you to, to remember. You're in charge of your motivation level. Does that make sense? Now, God is motivating you, but you can choose to... Um, to let motivation build or decrease in your life. You can let it build through getting in God's Word, through walking in the Holy Spirit and in His power, through having daily quiet times, through prayer, through obedience, through faith, hope, grace, appreciation, love, thankfulness, fellowship, doing stuff like this. If you're putting yourself in that environment, your motivation will grow. At the same time, if you're letting all this excess baggage of sin hang on you, right, and if you have incorrect expectations and you're focusing on past failures and if you're living in fear and unbelief and if you're setting small goals instead of God-sized goals, if you're letting your emotions and feelings be more important than God's word, fearing those things, your motivation will be decreased. So build motivation the right way, guys, so that you can accomplish your goals. Avoid distraction, guys, and anything that will hinder you from accomplishing your purpose. Please, be diligent, guys, and make this your life ambition. God has given you one life. You will soon be dead, whether that's a year from now or 90 years from now. It's not that long, right? I came here for college 14 years, 13 years ago, I guess. 13 years ago. The last 13 years vanished. I mean, vanished quicker than I ever could have imagined. And you guys, that's, that's like a fifth of an average lifetime. Does that make sense? Our lives are so short, and it's hard to recognize that at 18 or 19. They are really so short. I mean, they are so short. 
You guys, and we can easily burn away our years doing irrelevant things instead of being diligent and focused and setting the goals to be diligent and accomplish what God has called us to. Avoid those distractions. Manage time wisely. Sometimes I talk to people and they say, I hate schedules. Guess what? So do I. (laughs) Sometimes people say, I hate waking up early. I'm like, yep, so do I. That's why my alarm is on the opposite side of the room. So at 545, (laughs) I have to get out of bed, walk across the room, and turn it off. Because if it's next to my bed, 9 out of 9, 10 out of 10 times, I will just turn it off and keep sleeping. You guys, help yourself beat the natural law of the universe as far as entropy goes. Right? Help yourself. Take the steps you need to to be the person God wants you to be to accomplish the purpose that he's called you to accomplish. Take those steps. Manage your time wisely. Get a schedule. Please get a schedule. Again, I don't want this to be wordy, but your time is valuable and you don't get it back. Right? You don't get it back. Time wasted is gone. So learn to manage that time wisely. Right? Because you never get it back. Finally, Jesus is our example of all this. He knew his purpose. He planned for his purpose. He was motivated for his purpose. He avoided distractions. He managed his time wisely. And you know what? He did it all as the Father directed, moment by moment. You each have the Holy Spirit in your life to empower you to do all this and to direct you moment by moment. He alone can do that. But seriously, guys, he's easy to ignore, right? So get some accountability to encourage you in this process. Get some friends that will say, you know what? We need to play less video games and spend more time on things that are going to be significant. I'm not saying to be, you know, always purpose-driven and never doing anything fun. Part of my purpose statement in life, something that you guys are going to come up with this morning, is to have a lot of fun. I want to have more fun than anyone. But I want to do it in a try split. Jake, you're a good example of this. Jake Jake tells me, you know, we're coming up with our schedule when to meet up during the week, you know. And he says, well, the three hours before Connect are three hours for me to, like, recharge and relax and all that. You're scheduling time to, to make yourself ready for what you need to be doing. That's, that's okay, guys. God did not say you have to have boring lives of nothing but pure effectiveness. Have fun. And then even use your fun for God's glory and to make a difference for Him, right? Okay, so accomplish the purpose that He has called you, for, called you to in the power of His Holy Spirit. I'm going to close with this diagram, guys. And then we're going to spend some time doing some worksheets on our own. So here's how the diagram goes. All right. There are two lives over here. I'm going to draw a river. Is that not a beautiful river? It's gorgeous, huh? So peaceful. It's like the uh, drive up here this morning. Okay, this is going to be a green river. Draw some waves. If my daughter was here and she didn't see a fish in this river, she'd be pretty mad. Okay. Everything has to look just right before we can go further with this diagram. Russ taught me that. Okay, there's a bridge across this river, and we'll tell you what the what the definition of this or what the name of this bridge is, because every bridge has to have a name. I crossed one in uh, Silverton the other day. It was the USGS bridge. Okay, there's the bridge. Can you guys tell? Looks like a pretty sweet bridge, right? Alright, over on this side, we have, um, I'm going to say Joe. We're just going to come up with a name. None of you here are Joe other than Joseph, right? I'm intentionally saying Joe so that Joseph can't be confused with this Joe. This is regular old Joe. As opposed, as opposed to <laughs> sweet. I shouldn't use the word sweet. I meant like in a cool way. My wife is sweet, though. I'll say amazing, bright, fancy. Thanks for that adjective. <laughs> Joseph over here. Okay. Oh, Joseph. I'm put an H on that. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we've got two different people here. Okay, regular old Joe is, let's say this, this person is a believer. This person has already decided I'm going to put my trust in Christ. 
They're no better than anyone else, but they've decided, they've recognized that, okay? And they've let Christ come into their life. And they truly want him to change them from the inside out, right? But they're not really actively participating in that process. Does that make sense? Kind of doing things their own way. So this guy says, you know what, I'm going to like bounce around over here. Ooh, yes, there's this awesome girl over here. Okay, she has a dress. And I know that's kind of sexist, because not all girls wear dresses. Ladies. But anyway, just so, just so you can see the illustration. Um, she's cooler than Joe anyway, so I'll rectify any wrong thinking about this illustration by saying that she's way cooler than Joe. So, or Joe. Okay. This might have been Darcy, Joe, back when you were living the dream, working at a um, Mesa Verde, right? Okay, sweet. So anyway, maybe not. And, and then this girl says, uh, you're just regular old Joe, and I'm looking for amazing, bright, fancy Joseph. So, see ya. So this guy just bounces over here, and let's say he says, I want to go to a retreat. So he goes to this retreat over here. And he bounces over here, and he goes to this church, and he bounces over there and goes to this meeting, and he bounces over here and finds this video game, and he bounces over here and goes to this Bible study, BS, BS, <laughs> and he goes over here and, uh, you know, finds another sweet, amazing girl over here. Okay, and then he comes over here and finds a sport for me to snowboarding. Do I look that old? See, people still think I'm a freshman sometimes, but when some sometimes people see, you know, when I friend them on Facebook, they're like, is that you? Maybe they think uh, people in ministry can't snowboard. I don't know. So anyway, yes. Okay, so then they find snowboarding. I did that too, and then bounce over here, and does this kind of, can you ever identify with this? It's just this kind of chaotic life of going everywhere and hoping something finally clicks, right? And the reality is, if you've seen the three circles, this over here is a life with self on the throne. Maybe Christ is in this life, but they're doing it my way, going my direction, my way, at my pace, right? Over here is a different life. This life is a life that would be defined. I'm going to put some adjectives up here. Purpose, significance, fruit, um, direction, fulfillment, victory. Okay, this guy over here. This guy doesn't even know what victory is like. And I mean victory in the sense of personal issues and struggle. This Things that would be over here would be things like porn. Things like anger. Things like pride. Things like broken relationships. Thing, things like never growing closer to God. Okay, I'm not trying to make this guy look bad. I'm just saying this is who all of us are until we cross this important bridge, right? So this guy over here is getting victory over that stuff. This lady, this is not just for men either, you know. One of you ladies could be running into, um, I was trying to think of a Joe, but a feminine version. Is it a Josephine. Josephine. Yeah, this could be Josephine and Josephina. I don't know. Okay. Or Josephine. <laughs> okay, but anyway, you see there are these two dramatic, there are these two dramatically different lives, right? These two dramatically different lives. This person is doing it my way, and I'm hitting a wall every single time. And I might be happy on the outside, but I'm crying on the inside. Everybody might think I have it all together, but I know I don't. And this person over here is actually living the fruit of the Spirit. They're actually seeing it. You know, we have people, in fact, yesterday, we ran into somebody. Whoops. I can't. Um, actually, yesterday, we, we ran into somebody at Silverton that we know. And they said, 
you guys are, we always tell people, you guys are actually doing it. Like, everybody talks about it, but you guys are actually doing it. And um, sometimes you might feel that way. I'm not saying that to prop ourselves up at all. Like, the only reason that somebody would say that about that us, it's not because we're perfect at all, but it's because we chose to go over this bridge, and a lot of you have. And that bridge is what we call the bridge of... It. Oh, well, it's the bridge of total surrender, right? And this river is the river... <laughs> Of no return. But we oftentimes try to swim back over it. <laughs> okay? So anyway, all of us have to get to this point, guys. And this is what I want to encourage you with today. If you want to find the purpose that God called you to, if you want to be one of the few that's doing it, that's actually living out a purpose, first of all, you need to know Jesus if you don't. And don't leave this place without talking to somebody about that today. Second of all, I want to encourage you to go over this bridge of no return, this bridge of total surrender. Say, you know what? God, you can have everything. You really can. It's, it's, I'm all yours, and I'm not just saying that. And I don't have anything in me that would make me able to really mean that, God. You ever pray like that to God and, and say, sometimes I do, I'm like, God, this is my prayer, but I feel guilty even praying that because I know it's so far from who I am. Or do you ever find yourself not singing certain songs at church because it's a lie? <laughs> God, I love you all the time. <laughs> God, all I think about is you. <laughs> I just think about snowboarding for half the song. <laughs> Definitely not going to say those words. <laughs> okay? If you ever want to get to this place where Christ is really living his life through yours, and you're actually seeing your life purpose... And then the result of that life purpose, what we've been getting at this whole weekend, this eternally significant existence that will echo through all of eternity, if that's what you want, I would encourage you today, as you get this time alone, we're going to break up and you're going to get a few minutes alone to work through some of this life purpose stuff. Just say, God, I'm yours. I'm, I'm totally 100% yours. And I know I can't even say that with a clear conscience because I know that I'm going to want to take it back as soon as I say it. But God, I want you to be in control. Not 50%, not 60%. I want you to be in control, 100%. To make me who you want me to be. To do your will in my life. And then, I would encourage you to find a friend, maybe that you came with, and say, keep me accountable to this. Or let's do this together. Let's ask each other weekly, are we being diligent to make God everything? Are we being diligent to let Him change us from the inside out? Okay, closing couple quotes and we're going to be done. I know this is long. I hope it encourages you a ton, though. Um, John Wesley said, Light yourself on fire, and people will come from miles away to watch you burn. Isn't that an interesting quote? <laughs> wow. It's not talking about literally lighting yourself on fire like living sacrifice. Okay. But seriously, guys, if you get lit on fire for God at this age, you are going to change this world. Remember what the book of Acts says about the disciples? They turned the world upside down. And that's what the secular authority said of them. That wasn't like they just walked around and said, yeah, we turned the world upside down, we're awesome. <laughs> but the secular authorities were saying, these guys turned the world upside down because they are willing to love like nobody ever has because they really had Christ living through them. And that's what John Wesley was talking about. Light yourself on fire, get passionate for him, and then people will come from miles away to watch you burn. Get excited for him and let him take over your life. And he's going to do more than you could ever imagine through you. Right? And second of all, you have to know that your weaknesses, inabilities, failures present no challenge to God's purpose for your life. Your willingness does. You don't have to be perfect, guys. You just have to be willing. Right? You just have to say, God, I'm willing. I really am. You can do whatever you want to. Okay, so I'm going to close uh, just by praying and then uh, give you guys some time to work on some stuff. God, we thank you so much for this morning and for all you're doing in each of our lives. God, I pray that you make us the people that you want us to be, to do all that you've called us to. God, help us live with purpose. God, help us live with diligence and determination. God, not in our own strength, because none of us have what it takes. God, teach us what it means to be dependent on you and in your Holy Spirit every single day, to walk by faith in all that you've called us to. So God, I pray that you really would turn this world upside down, 
through us, not because we're anything special, but simply because you really are, and you live in us, God. Amen. I guess the closing statement, and if I've said this to you and it made you mad, I'm so sorry. First time I met Jake, I said, Jake, he was going to help on crazy. I said, Jake, I'm afraid you don't have what it takes. <laughs> First day we ever met, it's probably weird. But then I said, but I'm convinced the Holy Spirit in you has it covered. And that's the case for all of you guys. I'm afraid this life purpose that God's called you to, you don't have what it takes, Chris. Sorry. But that's a good thing, because the Holy Spirit has it covered, and he just so happens to live inside you. So you're good to go. All right. Um, we are going to break up. I don't even know what the time is here. I know it's late. 11.30. And 11.30. I'm going to give you guys... You know what? We're going to kind of switch gears. <laughs> discussion group leaders come up here. We'll have some discussion groups, and that name will start paying the watch. So. so instead of doing this alone, we'll have you work on some of your life purpose statements together.